Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. And we're back. Welcome back to another episode of The Flow Line. This is going to be probably a rather short episode, Matt, but again, for all the listeners out there, we love when people ask questions because we can't think of everything. And so a lot of the good episodes or a lot of good conversation come from folks that ask questions that we're like, hey, that, you know, that was a great question. So again, the other day I was talking to a drilling engineer and he had asked, he said, you know, I've always had this question. Why is it that when I make a trip, the mud weight will usually come out a little bit lighter and then it once we circulate for a while, all of a sudden the mud weight's back to what it was. And so that was the question. Why, when I make a trip, does the mud weight get lighter and then go back to normal? And so Matt, how would you explain that to someone who's asking the question? Well, there's a few different factors. I'm going to go with my gut first response, but then when I think about it, I could say, well, it could get way more complicated than that. Right. But starting with, I think, you know, this sort of relates to when we've actually talked about SAG in the past, where, yes, you, you know, you want good rheology when you make a trip out and you want to suspend all your weight material. But the fact is that you can have solid settling without what would meet the API definition of SAG. Mm. So let's say you lose two tenths. I mean, look, we know we, we have heavy, when we break circulation, we get a little heavy spot. We circulate it all back around and it looks exactly like that drilling engineer's talking about. Most people don't even bother to report the light spot right? because they know what it is. But yeah, once once you start circulating, you have a little bit of settling. So yeah, it gets lighter. There's a, you know, it's all, the barite's all down there. It's just not all, equi- you know, equally distributed. Mm-hmm. So we start circulating and now I get my light stuff, my heavy stuff all circulated around. I'm homogenized and I haven't even mud weight. And so that is generally what your gut general response would be. And- I think it goes back to expecting drilling fluids to be these perfect things that we know they're not. Right. Where, okay, some bayrite settles out and, oh, is it a SAG event? Because SAG is, as I've described it, an oil field boogeyman. If I can't think of what's wrong, I might just say it's SAG and freak everybody out on the rig. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I say that sarcastically. But like the, <laughs> it happens where it's just like, oh, maybe there's some SAG. I'm like, where did you get that? Yeah. But, you know, because SAG is such a far more serious event where I, can't, I don't really know what my hydrostatic is got huge separation but even when you have really bad sag if you can circulate out the light and the heavy stuff without the wellbore collapsing without all the problems that we have if you circulate it all around again you'll probably have the mud weight you started with right so that would be my first answer now there are other ways that this can happen maybe not in the full context but just thinking about trips and things that happen okay so we know that we lower our overall we have our ecd and sometimes we'll we'll even wait up before we come out of the hole for what we call trip margin, right? So we know we, let's say we're having ballooning or we're having some other issue. We don't want to take the pressure off the well. We don't have managed pressure drilling equipment out there. So we basically spot a little bit heavier mud, come out of the hole because now our mud weight, our static mud weight matches our ECD that we had while we were drilling. Right. So hopefully nothing's going to change. Then when I get back down on bottom, I'll actually maybe lighten it up again and, and get back to what I want my drilling mud weight to be. But with that, with, with all of that stuff going on, 
There are other things that can happen during trips besides, you know, improper weight up or you've added fresh bayrite. And we've talked about this, you know, where if that stuff's not wetted properly, you can have some settling that way. And it would probably be worse depending on how much you added, but that's yeah. still a possibility. Right. And so it could be that your bayrite just wasn't wetted properly. I doubt that's this person's circumstances, but it's a thing. Yeah. So let's cover it all. For um, sure. You know, and then you get into just thermal variations, right? So now typically it's cooler higher up. And so in light of that, you probably have heavier mud and then possibly lighter mud below it. And that's just from thermal expansion. But as you heat things up too, you can you can actually have convection, right? You can the fluid can kind of circulate on its own, but the lighter, thinner stuff wants to circulate more than the cool, heavy stuff. And so you can get some weird mixing that way, although most of the light thin stuff is going to be at the bottom of the well, mm. not necessarily higher up. So actually, it's interesting, and I didn't mention this before we started recording, but that was also a sort of a leading question was, well, why when the mud is cold, does it weigh a little bit more? Mm-hmm. So, and you said thermal expansion. Can you elaborate a bit on that? So when it's hot, y- you know, oil is actually going to expand, right? Yes. Yeah. It's very, and we know it's compressible too, right? So when it's cold, it's actually molecules get closer together. It's more dense. Got it. Density being mass per unit volume, which is why you want to know your temperature too. It's why we, you know, actually model, if you look at a fluid compressibility model, we call it PVT, pressure, volume, and temperature, because those things will alter Hmm. what your actual mud weight is. And density is mass per unit volume. So we got to account for all of it. Now, there's enough error in there that, you know, some of those things can sort of be accounted for, but it's the reason that we do temperature modeling to make sure that our mud weight is the bare minimum in a really extreme well, because when things heat up, it's going to appear lighter. And so what is my hydrostatic column actually? Right. As this stuff expands and takes up less space per unit volume than it did before. So yes. Got it. Very true. And and I mean, it's sort of interesting. I don't know why. And Maybe this is just when like, when I'm dealing with like really cold mud, I automatically assume it's heavier than when it's thin. Right. Like, you know, when it gets thick and kind of goopy and, you know, you're like, man, we need to get this thing circulate around and warmed up. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I bet it's going to come across a couple of points heavy too, yeah. but I'm not going to lighten it because once we get circulating, it's going to warm up. Very, and since I've yeah. been taking my mud weights at, you know, and the flow line temperature has been a hundred degrees, I needed to take it at a hundred degrees and find out what it really is. Right. And there are calculators to adjust for all that stuff. Got it. Yeah. So don't get, don't get carried away and all of a sudden add a dispersant or start diluting the living, you know, stuff out of it because then you're going to be leaning way too far the other way. Yeah. I mean, same with the retort trap, right? There's a temperature correction that you, you might consider in an extreme application because if you just take mud straight off flow line, don't let it cool and then put it in a retort, it's going to actually appear to be more volumetrically than it really is. And when you do your mass balance calculations, you're going to have higher low graphs. Ah, that's right. So just, you know, there's there's plenty of traps with that stuff if you don't follow the, the procedures. Exactly. Well, it's a good thing someone like yourself knows the procedures because you gave a much better answer than I did. Can't say what we were doing and how many wobblies were involved. But <laughs> regardless, uh, <laughs> thank you so much for helping. And I don't know if this particular gentleman listens to the flow line, but I'm going to, once this is done, I'm going to take it and send it to him. And again, this is, you know, why we do what we do to help answer questions and just educate the masses. So thanks again, Matt, for answering that for us. And if anyone else out there has a question or any ideas for a show, or if you'd like to hit us up on LinkedIn and just connect with us and see all the content 
content that we continue to put out regarding drilling fluids, hit us up or you can reach us at the Flowline Podcast at aesfluids.com. And again, you can listen to all these episodes depending on what you're listening to on now, but you can also find us on our website, aesfluids.com. There's a bunch of good information on there and our tech tips out on YouTube. And with that said, again, everyone appreciate all the support. Matt, anything else? That's all I got. Awesome. Well, happy holidays, everyone. Be safe and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.